night, and uh, y'all pray for my mom. She fell this morning, and uh, I'm telling doctors right now it's kind of uh, it's kind of strange. But anyways, uh, she she thinks nobody cares about her, and that she's she's in a in a place where I'm trying to figure out how to help her. But uh, y'all just pray for her that God give her peace about where she's at. And brother Tim, I'll let you have it. Amen. <laughs> All right. So how's everybody doing this evening? All right. It is good to be here. Um, after a week of, of camp, it's, it's kind of good to be anywhere. Uh, well, within reason. I think you take my meaning. Um, had a good week at camp, though, and, and it was a real, uh, real blessing. If you want to learn how to be a servant, go to camp for a week. That'll uh, definitely teach you to you know, put yourself down and, and, and think of others and help others and, and uh, put them before yourself. But uh, if you could get the Kings, First uh, Kings chapter 17, that's where we'll be tonight. Had an interesting time at the jail this morning, Brother Neil from Berean, he texted me last week. And he said that um, he was in touch with the CO and nobody had come out from CPOD last week. So he told me to be in prayer about that. And uh, we had one guy come out this morning and he, uh, his, his reasoning for not being able to make it last week was he was in the hole. And uh, so I don't know what he did to get there or, you know, anything that transpired. But uh, he said he, he had been saved for 60 days. And uh, he, he gave it all to God. He didn't really use the term saved. He said he gave it all to God. And uh, it was kind of vague to me. I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that. But it's, it's, it's kind of funny. You can go in there with a message prepared. And then as you see the way things are going and the way things are, are starting to move and, and you realize your audience, you, you, and God says, you know, I know that's the one you prepared, but that's not the one I want you to preach. And you, you get up there and, and, and God just gives you a verse or two. And um, we're going to sort of touch on that a little bit tonight. Um, there's just some times where you just got to be faithful in the little things and be prepared uh, and, and, and just be ready to, to be called upon God, whatever the situation may be. But uh, if you wouldn't mind standing, we're going to read the first um, read the first eight verses of chapter 17, and we'll, uh, we'll settle in for a little while. It says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the, by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. And he went, uh, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidion, or Zidon, uh, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I thank you for uh, just making it so bountiful and plentiful. I pray, Lord, you just get me out of the way now, Lord. Um, help me to just calm my nerves. Settle me down, Lord, and I just pray that... Uh, you get the glory and honor from this message, and I pray that it'll be a help here to someone tonight, Lord. Uh, it's been a help to me as I've read over these passages, Lord, and these verses. Uh, and I thank you, Lord, for that. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. What I'd like to talk a little bit about tonight, the, the, the title of this message is 
two sticks or, or what are you doing with your two sticks or something along those lines. You'll, you'll see why here in a little bit. But before I get into that, that passage I just read, that's kind of, that's going to be a precursor to where our, our real scripture is going to be tonight. But what I want to talk about, what I want to get into is being faithful. And there are going to be times in your life, there's going to be times we're just not going to feel like being faithful. There are going to be times where we feel like the world's upon us when, when God has turned his back from us. There's going to be times where we're thinking, man, what is the point? Why do I need to go on? And we're going to look at some things tonight and the importance of just being faithful. In 2008, it started out like pretty much any other year had. It started out pretty good. Uh, I had a great paying job. Um, you know, we were in a church. Things were a little shaky there. Uh, I think the Lord was starting to deal with this, with some things there. And I'll touch on that here shortly. Um, we had bought that, that camper that we used to have. And I don't mean to try and, and make it sound like it was a good year because of good things that were happening in my life. I'm just saying things, things seemed to be going well. Um, we signed the paperwork on the camper, and about a week later, Robin found out she was pregnant with Becca. So, I mean, you know, it started off pretty good. And all of a sudden, one day, I went to work. And basically, and... and and, and really, they just came out, and they were pretty blunt about it. And they said, your jobs are going away. We can't tell you when. We can't tell you how soon. All we can tell you is, at some point, you will no longer have a job. And that was, that was a scary feeling. That was a little different, uh, something I hadn't encountered, something I'd always been warned of in the aviation industry. That thing can happen at any time. But I never really thought it would happen. So that year, when I look back on it, that was a year for me, that was kind of pivotal in my growth as a Christian, because I looked at some things, and that's where I really clung to Isaiah 40, 31. So they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, uh, they that run shall, uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their They shall walk and not be, or shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Um, I always have a hard time repeating verses. But that's where I really clung to that verse, and that's where the Lord really kind of dealt with me on a lot of things that year. Um, you have to understand, we, weren't, we had started coming to this church, so uh, I didn't have a lot of the, the King James Bible teaching and preaching that I've, I've had up to this point. Um, in fact, I had only recently gotten really back into the King James. Up to that point, I kind of was flirting around with the NIV and some other uh, versions, uh, and, and I had kind of just gotten back into the King James. So in many ways, I was a baby Christian, and, and this was quite a, a thing to go through. Uh, in that regard. But one thing I knew was that I wasn't going to turn my back on God just because things got a little difficult, just because things didn't go the way. I knew, I knew that much. I really didn't know much else. And when I say that, I really do mean that. I really did not know. I know very little now, but I knew even less then. Um, I just knew that I was not going to turn on God because things had gotten a little tough and a little unsure in my personal life. And he, he, he stuck with us, obviously. And he first thing I think he worked on us with that year is he got us out of that church that we were in. Um, I'm not going to name names or point fingers, but let me just say that the, uh, I knew some things that were going on there, and I just knew that that couldn't be the church that we had to be in, that we should have been in. Um, most of the sermons were preached on just you know faith and love. And I'm thinking, I've got a 1,400-page book here in front of me. And if that's all that guy can mine out of these pages, there's, there's something missing. 
If that's really all there is within this book, then, then I already know it, and why bother coming to church? But something was telling me there's more to it than that. Um, and what led me to realize that was this, this pastor, he, uh, he had made the comment one time, he had become a pastor because he didn't want to sweat. So clearly he had no intention of ever being a pastor of this church. So he just thought, you know, okay, it's a nice, cushy job. He didn't want to sweat. So that's one reason. Uh, he had, he had uh, studied from the NIV and many different versions. He preached and taught from the King James. But if you're not studying from the King James, then, then it's not going to come across right. Your, your doctrine is still going to be messed up. Your, your, your preaching, your teaching is still going to be wrong. Because that's where he based all of his, his findings, all his information from. So God had shown me enough. But it was, it was funny that when, when my job situation and everything was falling apart, God said, well, we've got something else just a little more pressing, another matter that we need to take care of before I deal with your job. And then we ended up here. And, and you know, I kind of look back at that. And I'm thinking, man, that, that's just, you know, by the world standards, that is, that is just all backwards. You know, people would be searching for a job before they'd be searching for a church. And I just thought that was odd how God had said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to take care of you, but we're going to prioritize things a little bit differently. And I'm going to bring you to a church where you can grow and where you can learn and where your family can grow up. And then he, uh, he worked out the whole job thing, obviously. Um, it, it was, you know, I, I left there on a Friday and I went back on a Monday making about 35 to 40% less than I was doing the same exact, exact job, working the same airplanes. So it was a bit of a trying time. But the important thing is God had gotten us through that. And he was with us. And when I, when I look back now, I realized we didn't drop out of church. I didn't get angry or blame God. We still kept coming with our kids. Of course, you know, Rebecca was born, and, and then we just kept doing really all that we knew to do. I kept going to work. Um, it got so bad there, people were leaving voluntarily. Every Monday, there was a new wave of people leaving, either voluntarily or they were involuntarily uh, laid off. So whatever the case may be. But I mean, every week I'd walk in there, and people that I had known for, you know, 15, 16, 17 years, I had worked side by side, all of a sudden were no longer there. And they were just leaving in droves. And I remember uh, my manager, he was squawking about something. And I looked at him, I said, Cliff, do you understand what's going on around here? I said, we have been told as of Friday, this company is shut down. We have been told that a new company is rising up on Monday. But here's the kicker. There's a lot of guys, and myself included, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week because no one has told me if I still have a job. At the, I, I applied for like 17, 18 positions. And a week before, and I didn't even know if I had a job there. But yet I still kept going in, and I still kept hitting the clock, and I still kept doing what I could with, with what I had left, you know, the time I had left and the resources I had. And it's important that we do that. It's, it's important that, and I'm not just talking about in the secular world, I'm talking about in our spiritual life. When things get difficult, when things get tough, it's important we keep doing the fundamental, basic things. If you look there in verse 1, it talks about, he said, there will be no rain or dew these years. And it got me thinking, there's going to be a famine. Well, there's going to be a famine, but there's going to be a drought. And it's going to be so severe that there won't even be enough moisture in the air to, to the deposit do on the grass. It's just going to be a completely arid, dry environment. 
there have been times in our, we, we have had these spiritual droughts. And if you haven't had them, you will. You will encounter a spiritual drought at some point in your life. And the important thing is, hang in there. Do what God would have you to do. And, and he'll provide, as we're going to see. The first, the, the first seven or eight verses there, they're just a precursor. I found it also interesting in verses, uh, I believe it's four and six, it talks about how God used the ravens to feed Elijah. And I started thinking about that. I'm thinking, there is no reason for any Christian to ever say that God cannot use whatever means he deems necessary to help them in their situation in life. You say, what are you talking about? It's just ravens. Okay, if you go back over to Genesis 8, when, when the, the, the ark landed, it says Noah released a raven. And the raven went out. And the raven basically just went to and fro in the earth until uh, the waters receded and he had a place to land. But Noah sent a dove out and the dove came back. He sent it out again and it came back again. And then he sent it out the third time and this time there was a place for it to rest its foot and it didn't have to come back. So we, see that, we know that uh, uh, the dove is a, is a type or a picture, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. So conversely, when we look at that raven, that's going to be a symbol of the devil. You say, well, how do you make that connection? Now you go over to Job 6, and that same phrase, God says, and I'm paraphrasing. This is the Tim IV. God says, yo, Satan, where you been? What you been up to? And, and I don't mean no disrespect. But Satan says, well, you know, I've been going to and fro on the earth and up and down in it. That same phrase, to and fro on the earth, the same thing that that raven was doing. You think about that raven. That's a carnivorous bird. That raven had no place to really build a nest, but the raven said, my choices are I can either go back with them churchy people on that boat, which really wasn't my thing, or I can stay out here and I can feast on the dead. Now, Christian, I'm here to tell you the devil at this very moment is going to and fro on the earth, feasting on the spiritually dead people of this world. Okay, that's what he's doing. He's feasting on the spiritually dead just as that raven did. And I think it's, it's important to note that there is nothing that God can't use. There is nothing he can't do. There is no situation he can't overcome. And if he wants to use what his book calls out to be a type of the devil, then it's well within his abilities to do that. So just keep that in mind. When things are getting a little rough, when you're in that drought when that, when that famine that surely will come that follows a drought because there's no water, there's no grass, there's no fields that can grow, the animals can't eat. Okay, they, they're going to they're gonna starve. They're going to uh, dry up because they have no water. So when all this hits, just remember God is still in control. And there's nothing he can't do and nothing he can or won't use to, to not only accomplish his will, but to also help you along the way. Now that was all just kind of a precursor. Um, it says there in verse 7, the brook had dried up. Now, up to this point, Elijah, he was being fed by the ravens. They were bringing him food. They were bringing him bread and, and, and uh, flesh in the morning. And in the evening, he had all the water he needed. But all of that dried up. And I think the timing is very important here. And we'll, we'll look at that uh, later on. But he says, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, uh, which belongeth to Zidon. He says, Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Now, I thought that was odd because here the land is in the middle of this drought, in the middle of this famine, all of this stuff is happening, and now you have this widow woman of all people. 
that God has said, I understand you've lost your husband. You're, you're doing the best you can to support you and your son. The land is just a wreck right now. But if you bear with me, I've just got one more thing I need you to do. I'm sending somebody your way, and I've chosen you to take care of him. Folks, sometimes there's gonna, you're going to get to a point in your life where you're going to think, man, I am, I am no lower. I mean, I'm as low as I can go, and I can't get any lower. And God's going to say, I need just a little more out of you. I need you to do just one more thing. And look at it this way. It is not a punishment. If he has chosen you to do something, if he has put something upon you, if he has asked something of you, it's because you have been faithful and he knows that he can trust you. You have been faithful in the small things, as we will see, and he knows that he can trust you with the larger things. Don't think of God's blessing in that way as a punishment. Okay, it is, it is certainly not. It, it is, it is, you're, it, that is a gift from God. When God looked at that woman, he said, I need you to do one more thing. I need you to take care of one more body. That was not a punishment for her. That, 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 was, that was a, a, a badge of honor. That was a blessing from God. Maybe she didn't quite realize it just yet in its entirety. But as, you, as we'll get through this thing, you'll see that, that God had chosen her for a purpose. He had chosen her because of her faithfulness. And then we're going to get into that now. So it says, uh, he arose, in verse 10, he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And I think it's interesting to note that he gets there. He didn't know who she was. He just gets there. He arrives. And there she is, gathering sticks of all things. She's just picking up sticks. She's gathering sticks. Well, how did, you know, how did Elijah identify her? How did he know? Well, I'm guessing because she was probably really the only one doing anything productive, the only one doing anything useful. See, the, the free government cheese lines had drawn out or had run out, so there was no more handouts to be had. The people really grew tired of going and, 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 and clustering around the town center and complaining about, you know, it was the king's fault or, or you know, it was Elijah's fault or it was some other, someone else's fault or it's God's fault. They just grew tired of that, so they just quit coming and, and, and uh, gathering. But here's this lady just picking up sticks. What a, what a thing. In the middle of a famine, she's out there just picking up sticks. And he said there, he said, fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as, I, as she was going to fetch it, we're going to stop there. As she was going to fetch it, she didn't fuss at him. She didn't say, hello, do you think I have an abundance of water? She had some amount of water because she went to fetch it. See, she knew that because God had commanded her to, that, uh, for her to sustain him. For her, she had one more thing for her to do. She said, you know what, I could, I could resist, I could, I could buck the system here, but no, this man needs something. This is the preacher man from God. I'm going to put God's needs ahead of my own. See, that's what faithfulness is. When you look at something, you look at someone and say, man, they, I'm bad, but they're probably worse off than me. And if God has given me the ability to help them, if God has given me the, the uh, opportunity to be a blessing to somebody else, then that's what I need to do. And that's what this lady, she just, she just went off to get the water. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. Uh, and she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, 
but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. So, here's this lady. Elijah comes up to her and says, you know, can you get me some water? She goes off to get it. He says, oh, by the way, can, can you get me some, some bread? Can you get, I'm, I'm a little hungry, too. I'm going to need, you know, I'm thirsty, but I, I want something to eat, too. And she says, well, you don't seem to understand. She says, all I've got is a little bit of meal, and all I've got is a little bit of oil. And she said, I've been, I've been really rationing that little bit of meal I have. She said, I've, I've, been, I've been every day just taking a little less than I did the day before. And, and just really just trying to scoop out every last bit of that barrel. And she says, and today, she says, I knew I was down at the very bottom of that barrel. She said, I, 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 I moistened the end of my finger with what little bit of saliva I had. And I reached down here and I tried to get every last little grain out of that barrel. And I put it in this dish. She said, there, there's no more. She said, the only thing in that barrel now is wood and air. She said, there's nothing left. She said, in that cruise of oil, I had taken that yesterday because I knew that this was the last little bit of, that I could use. She said, I had taken that and I, I put it upside down and I just let all that oil drain for the last day. Just get every drop of oil I could out of there. And she says, you, you, you're asking me, she says, I, I can't give you that which I don't have. She said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this little bit. And this is the part that struck me. And this is where the message centers around. In verse 12, she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise, and I am gathering two sticks. I thought it was odd that the Bible specifically called out two sticks. I'm thinking, well, then that obviously has to mean two sticks. It doesn't mean just a few or some or, you know, a couple. Well, it doesn't mean a couple, but, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it, it, it means two sticks. And I'm thinking, why would it call out for two sticks? I'm thinking, well, here's the thing. Two sticks will put out a little bit of heat, but not for very long. And she doesn't need a lot of heat for very long because she doesn't have much food to cook. She has just a very small amount. And she says, I've got these two sticks. I've got this very small amount of food that, that really is the last of all that I have. She says, I'm going to cook it, and then me and my son are going to go, we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. Now, this wasn't the a Jim Jones or a David Koresh kind of thing. There was no poison Kool-Aid here. What she was saying is, I'm going to eat what last little bit that I have left, and then we're just going to die of starvation because there is no more. Christian, you will reach a point where you're standing there, and you've got nothing but two sticks left and a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil, and you're going to say, God, I have given you everything I've got. I've done all that I could do. I don't know what else you, more I could do. So if you're going to do anything in my life, if there's any more that you're going to get out of me, you're going to have to step in and you're going to have to do something to, with this situation because this is the last I absolutely have to offer. And see, it's when you get to that point that God says, okay, now we're getting somewhere. See, you, you've, you've, you've expended yourself. You've done everything that you can do. And now you're saying, God, I, I, I trust you with it all. I've given you everything I've had up to this point. I've given you those sticks. I've given you the cruise of, the, the, of oil. I've given you the, the meal. I've given you everything I've got. So if you want any more out of me, you're going to have to do something. And you're going to get to that point. And I've been to that point. 
2008 was sort of a, uh, it, it came close to that. When I'm looking at, at uh, Baby on the Way, and all I was told was, you're losing your job, but we don't know when. I'm thinking, well, am I going to have insurance when this baby comes along? Am I going to even be with my wife when this baby comes along? Am I going to have to go get a contractor job, you know, in South Dakota somewhere? I mean, these were the thoughts going through my mind. And I said, you know what, hold on. I'm just going to be faithful. And I'm not going to go anywhere until God tells me to go. Said, I mentioned earlier that timing was important. God had provided for, for Elijah, and he told him where to go. And the important thing is, Elijah didn't leave until God had told him to leave. Folks, there are going to be times when you're going to have to stay in a situation that you don't necessarily want to be in, and you're going to have to stay there until God tells you to leave. When, when Philip, or I'm sorry, when Paul and Silas were over in the prison, and the earthquake happened, and the prison doors opened, and the, the jailer ran in, and he said, you know, he thought everybody had left, and he was getting ready to kill himself, and Paul jumped up and said, hold on now. He said, wait a minute, we're still here. We haven't gone anywhere. Just because there's an open door doesn't mean that you need to go through it. Okay, God, if he doesn't tell you to go through that door, then you best not go through it. He told Elijah when to go to the brook. He told Elijah when to go to the woman. And the funny thing is, Elijah right, arrived right on God's timetable. Because if it had been just a few minutes late, and that woman would have cooked her, her meal, should have cooked the oil, should have cooked every last little bit of food she had, then God wouldn't have been able to do with her what he intended to do. So the timing is very important. It's very important to listen when God tells you to go, when God tells you to stop. Okay, we used to play that game years ago with the little kids. We'd, we'd do red light, green light, go or stop or whatever it was. You'd, you know, you'd, you'd holler out red light and they're supposed to stop. And you'd holler out green light and they're supposed to go. That's kind of what God does in our lives sometimes. He'll, he'll tell us when to go. He'll tell us when to stop. And sometimes we don't listen. And we, we run that red light because we're afraid. Or we think that we know better than him. We've got to learn to, you know, relying on God also includes relying on his timing and waiting for his timing, even if it doesn't seem uh, to make a whole lot of sense. There was a lot of things for me in 2008 that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, church shopping, when I, you know, when the world said I should have been job shopping, didn't make a lot of sense. But I knew that's where God wanted, what God wanted us to do, because I knew that I wasn't going to leave. I wasn't going to pick up and move. I wasn't going to do anything until he told me to do that. So I figured, well, as long as we're in this area, and I know he's called us out of that other church, I'm going to do what he would have me to do, and he led us here. See, I, I think back, and I think, what if I had uh, kind of put church off to the side? What if I had made that uh, a lesser priority and focused more on the job? Well, I can't say what, with any certainty what would have happened, other than I'd have been out of his will. Other than I probably would have ended up in the wrong place. See, I stuck around when the world would have suggested otherwise, and I gave God control of that thing. And here we are, that was 2008, 2009. So we're what, 12, 13 years, 14 years down the road? See, God, God's in control. He knows these things. But you've got you to gotta, you gotta wait on him. You've got to wait on his timing. Down here in verse 12, she's talking about, she's like, this is all I've got. You know, what do you want me to do? 
Elijah said, he says, fear not. You know, I think God tells us that a lot in our lives. He says, fear not. He says, I know. It's kind of scary right now. I know things uh, really haven't turned out like you thought they would. I know things haven't exactly gone as you had hoped. But, but fear not. Because the God that was on the throne when this was penned is still on the throne even today. And those two little words that he spoke, that Elijah spoke on, on God's behalf to this, this widow woman, they have as, every bit as much power today as they did then. And they come from the same God today that they came then. So rest assured, when, when things are getting difficult and, re, and things are getting tough, there can be solace found in those two little words, fear not. Because as long as it's God is still the one speaking them, then they still have as much power and as much relevance today as they ever had. He said, Fear not, and go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it to me, and after, make for thee and for thy son. So he's telling her, he says, well, that's fine. If you, if you want to prepare a last meal for you and your son, that's fine. He says, but do me this one thing before you do that. Make me a cake and bring it to me. Essentially, God was saying, you have been faithful. You have been picking up sticks when there's really no reason for you to be out there gathering sticks. He says, you have been faithful. When I needed someone to take care of my preacher man, you're the one I could call on because you're the only one that has been faithful. You're the only one that has been doing what you needed to do all along. And he said, I'm going to ask one more thing of you. I'm going to ask you to put God first in your life and then trust him to take care of your needs. Verse 14, For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did, according to the saying of Elijah, and she and, her, her, and, she and he and her house did eat many days. It's so simple right there. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. If only we would do the same thing. We, if, if, if we could, the, it could be said of us, and he went and did according to the word of God. See, we have the words of God. We have the truth. We have the light. But yet, we don't always follow it like we should. We let other things uh, uh, conflict within us. We let other things alter our, our thoughts. She just said, well, you know what? I've been living by faith up to this point. I've just been doing what I know to do. I don't know what else to do, so I've just done the little bit that I can do. And she says, all right, I'll do what the preacher man says. I'll go and I'll make him a cake. I'll bring it to him, and then me and my son will go and eat. You say, well, what happened? God provided. See, that, that, that barrel never ran out. That cruise of oil never ran out. The Bible says, until the rain returned to the earth, until it started raining again. I'm here to tell you that God's mercies are like that barrel. God's grace is like that cruise of oil. It will not run out. And if, I should get some amens from that. Come on, people. You all dead on me tonight or what? Come on, that's good stuff. God's grace is not going to run out. Why are you all looking at me like, oh, I'm tired. I know, I get it. But that's something you should be amen, and that's something to get excited about. 
Because when we leave these walls, there is nothing outside there to get. You know what I got excited about today? I paid $3.97 for a stinking gallon of gas. That was exciting because it was three, four weeks ago, I was paying like $5. I'm thinking, well, that's something to get excited about, right? God's grace and his mercies are going to be there for as long as we, if we need them. You say, how long are we going to need them? Well, I don't know about y'all, but I need his grace and I need his mercies about as long as I'm drawing breath in this body. And I know he is not going to fail. I know he is not going to run out. I know that that supply is not going to run short for all 8 billion people on the earth that want to tap into it. Okay, It's not going to go away. Just like that barrel and just like that cruise. And he, he said, it's not going to fail. And he said, and, 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 and it didn't. All that time, all that, however much time went by, every day she went, and she got the oil she needed, she got the meal that she needed, and she made the cakes. And I think it's interesting that, you know, when the children of Israel were, were wandering and they were, they were starting to get sick of the manna, the Bible doesn't record that. It just says she went and, and, and they had enough to eat until the rain came upon the earth again, until the fields started growing, until they could replace that, that meal naturally, until the, uh, uh, the animals started uh, rejuvenating and growing again and, and having other animals and all that sort of thing. And so the earth finally started producing itself in that, that location, in that area. God provided for him. And God will do the same exact thing for you when you hit those spiritual droughts, when you hit those times where you feel that the, the jar has run empty, the barrel is as dry as, as anything, and you look and you, you can't even see a grain of meal at the bottom of that barrel, and God says, well... Yeah, you're right. That barrel may be run dry, but mine's still full. And I want to, I'll wrap it up here in the next few minutes. But I think there's one other thing to note that's of importance. Let's, let's keep on reading a few verses. It says, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I do with thee, to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? This right here just really tells you the mindset of this woman. She, she was doing what she could, just like the lady with the alabaster box. The Bible says she did what she could. Did you ever stop and think, are you doing what you could? I mean, are you really doing? Now, like myself, I'm not musically talented. I, I the only instrument I can play is like a cassette player or a CD player. I'm pretty good at that. Other than that, I can't play an instrument. Um, I can't sing, and any of you that sit near me know that, so you don't want me to sing. I have no music abilities. But there's other things that I can do. Okay? I, I've been teaching a Sunday school class for many years, so I, I, can, I can work with the kids. I can teach them. God called me to that ministry down there at the jail to preach to them guys. Um, you say, well, I don't think you're very good at it. Well, I don't think I'm very good at it either, but God told me to start, and he hasn't told me to stop. So you're kind of stuck with me until he intervenes. Um, but here's the thing. See, I say that, but what is my standard? What am I, what am I judging myself up against? See, if I look, at my, if I look compare my preaching to other men, then I'm, I'm using the wrong standard. Okay? i got to compare. Am I preaching what Jesus Christ wants me to preach? Am I preaching out of his word? Am I, am I preaching the words that God put upon my heart? And if I can answer yes to all those things, then I'd say, well, then yes, the preaching is effective. Because here's the thing. I never really know what it's doing 
for people out there. I never really know how it's affecting you all. Only God knows that. And I don't want you to come up and go, oh, that was greatness. No, don't, don't, don't bother with that. Just let God work in your heart. Let the Holy Spirit work in your heart. Okay, that's what's important. That's what, that's, that's what we're here to do. We're here to get something from God. But back to this lady. I think it's important. She, she says, Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance? See, just like she wasn't in the, the one in that government handout line, and just like she wasn't the one over here at the well fussing and putting blame on everyone and everything around them, she says, my son has died. She says, Elijah, what would you do? Come back to, to, to throw my sin in my face? She says, I don't know what happened, but it, it, surely it has to be my fault. Because she says, thou come unto me to call my sin. So she's putting the blame upon herself. Man, you don't come across people like that much anymore. Especially if you go down to the jails. It's everybody else's fault. You know, everybody else around them is the reason why they are like they are. Everybody else around them is the reason that they did what they did. This lady here said, it has to be me. It has to be my sin. It has to be my fault. See, that's the heart of a servant right there, because she had humbled herself to the point to realize that God's judgment is righteous and is perfect and is holy and is pure, and if there is something wrong in this equation, then it has to be within me. See, we all need to get to that point where we, we realize that when God doles out his punishment, that it has to start with us. We have to look on the inside and say, what did I do? Why is this happening? Is it something? Now, not all, not all things befall us because of, of, of sin in our lives. I understand that. But this woman's attitude was, it has to be me. See, we live in a society today that, that, that says, well, it has to be anything and everybody else but me. But see, this lady had it right. And, and I'm not going to do it, uh, but if you finish up this, the next several verses here on, you know, later on, this story really does have a, a happy ending. It's almost like a little fairy tale ending, uh, except this is real. But let me just close with this. God has given you two sticks. They're not huge. They're not big sticks. Uh, uh, you probably can't, you know, you can't build a bridge out of them. You can't probably do a whole lot with them. But are you doing what you can with what he has given you? Are you committed to following him? Are you committed to, to turning everything over to him, to, to doing everything to the extent of your abilities, your limits, and saying, God, I've gone as far as I can go. I've been faithful, and I don't know what else to do but I trust you with the result. Because that's where God's going to bless you. If you can be faithful in those little things. I wonder, if it hadn't been for her, where would he send Elijah? Maybe to another town? Maybe he'd have just kept him there and left the brook going for a little longer? I don't know. But see, I think because of that woman's faithfulness in the little things, God said, you've proven I can trust you with the big things. Father God, thank you, Lord, for this message. Thank you for the words. I just pray, Lord, that uh, it was a help tonight to someone. They were able to get something out of it for you, Lord, and, and uh, just draw a little closer to you. I love you, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.